Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. He says this. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand, his shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near the house and he heard music and he heard dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But with this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this is your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as Ryan comes up here uh, to, to deliver this word, I pray that you just illuminate our hearts, uh, Lord, and let the Spirit move and what he has to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Excited to have you guys here as we, as we look at this. This, this great text from a series that we've been doing through the parables of Jesus. You know, I was thinking about what, what makes for a great story. And, and, and as I think about the stories that have had the most impact on my life, what makes for a good story is that you can find yourself in that story. Those are the most impactful stories in my life. And I was thinking about this series that Megan and I watched for a bit called This Is Us. And as I was thinking through that show, I was thinking... You know, what, that, that story, you, you literally can be anyone on the face of the planet and find yourself in the, the narrative of that story somewhere. Now, we, we stopped watching it because I felt like I was getting like emotionally manipulated. I didn't want to cry every single time I watched it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can't watch it and not cry. So, uh, you know, maybe I've probably got big issues because of that and I need to see my counselor for it. But uh, anyway, um, it's a great, great storyline. And, and this parable that we're looking at today is a story that each and every one of us will find ourselves in. So it's the story of these, these two lost sons. I'm preaching this 
as the implications of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, there is no such thing as the end of the road for people who still have breath in their lungs. There is no such thing as, I don't have another chance to come home for people who still have breath in their lungs. So as you find yourself in the story today, the question will be, will you find yourself as a, as a found son or daughter of God or still as a lost one? And then what will you do with that? So the big idea of where we're going today is this. Only the Father's love can bring lost sons and daughters home. I, I'll just tell you where I'm going. The, the first point is this. We, we were made to be at home as the children of God. The second one, we all find ourselves lost. The third, we all try to make our own way. And the fourth, only a running father can bring us home. So let's dig in to Luke chapter 15 together. We were all made to be at home as the children of God. Listen to Luke 15, 11, what he says here. As Jesus is, is telling this, this story, and I, and I want you to think about the context of this. And, and the first 10 verses of Luke 15, as you're turning to, to Luke yourself, he talks about the parables of lost things. There's, uh, there's the, the lost sheep that the shepherd leaves the 99 and, and goes and, and finds the one. And, and then there's the lost coin that, that the lady, you know, she, she does everything she can to find it. Now, those parables are about the lost being found by someone. In this one, it's a little bit of a different angle. Because the older brother, you would think, would go find the younger brother that we've read about. But he doesn't. So as, as you read this, I want you to think about how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, has come to do what the older brother did not do for his younger brother. He has come to rescue us as far as we've ran. That's the significance of the resurrection in this text today. So Luke 15, 11 says this, and he said there was a man who had two sons. Now in this parable, I, I just don't want to overlook the obvious. In this parable... The, there's, there's the man, the father, and that is our father in heaven. And, and the two sons are a representation of every person on the face of the planet and what they spiritually do with their lostness. And so the, the thing that I want you to notice about Luke 15, 11 is this, is that we were all made to be home with our father. If, if we don't understand that, then it makes no sense of why we talk about lostness or foundness. We were made to be at home with our Father in heaven. This is what we were hardwired for, a place for the family, a seat at the table, a relationship with our Father. So keep that in mind as we look at this. That is our natural bent. Our natural inclination is to be at home with our Father. No matter what you're doing right now in your life or the people that you love are doing, with that news, we were made to be at home with our Father. Now, secondly, at some point we all find ourselves lost and separated from our Father. So the way that I'm going to handle this text now is I'm going to, in each point, I'm going to look at the older son and the younger son, and we're going to draw out the implications of that for us. So, so let's dig into Luke 15, 12 through 16 as we look at the younger son here. Let's look at his lostness here. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's, that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and, uh, and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So 
We've got this younger son here. Imagine this. Your, your, your kid comes to you, wakes you up first thing in the morning. He's 20 or so. I don't know how old he is. And, and he says, hey, you're better off dead than alive to me. I just want you to know that. So can, you, can we go ahead and, and cut to the chase and you go ahead and give me the inheritance so I can get out of here and do what I want to do because I'm tired of being in this house. Imagine that. That's what this younger son does. He, he says, hey, listen, God, I don't need you. I don't, Jesus is telling the story like this, I don't need you, let me just, give me, give me the benefits of knowing you without the actual relationship, is what he's saying. And so he takes the material possessions, and he leaves hoping to never look back again. And this, uh, this younger son, he runs wild, absolutely wild, for a while. Who knows how long it was, I don't know how much money he had, and how long it would take him to spend it, but he ran for a while. And, and notice what the father does here. We, we see, because we've read the whole story, that he desperately loves this son. And what's he do? He lets him run. He lets him run because that's the best way to love him in that moment. To give him what his heart really wants. To see if it's really worth it. And so the father, tearfully, I'm sure, lets the son run. And one day the son wakes up. And he finds himself dissatisfied with what his life has amounted to. He finds himself dissatisfied with the things that life has afforded him, with the experience, experiences that he's had. And, and what we see is, is that his lack of money is only the tip of the iceberg. His lack of food, only the tip of the iceberg of his deeper spiritual issues. He's, he's lost his identity. He's lost his dignity. He's lost his home. And, and it would seem like that this was rock bottom for this guy. But, but as we're going to read in a second, we, we see that it's really not rock bottom yet. He's still just trying to, to, kind of, to kind of tweak his life, to kind of get back home and get the benefits of the Father without really knowing the Father. Now, I, I want you to notice when the younger son finally realizes that he's lost. When does that point in the story come for him? It was when he finally saw the absence of love in his life. When he, when he finally saw that he couldn't bolt on and, and, and pin on all of these different experiences and material possessions and, and uh, it, you know, just, just ways of living, he, when, he, when he saw that that actually wouldn't ever give him anything, that's when he realizes that really he, he doesn't have any love in his life. He, he's not loved by anyone. No one, for the first time in his life, no one was around him to show him love. Now, he didn't receive the love before, but no one was around him. And no one showed any interest in his life. He saw himself finally as he was. Guys, sometimes that is the most gracious thing that God can do to us. Amen? When he gives us what we really want. When he lets us run like that father did. Because when we get to the end of it, we see that we never wanted to be there in the first place. That we only thought we knew what we wanted. Some of us in here today have been running for a while. You show up maybe at Easter, maybe you've been at church for a long time, I don't know. But when you finally get to the end of where you're going, and you realize that it's never where you wanted to be, what will you do with that? Who will you see at the end of that? Where will you search for love when love can come from none, none of the experiences that you've ever had? Because when we run away from God, our hearts start to harden, and, and they go numb. And, and materialism and pleasure only serves to conceal that numbness in us. 
And our only hope is that we might finally see ourselves as we really are in a foreign country, all alone, living the life of animals. That's basically where this guy found himself. So it's the younger son. Now, now I don't know how that resonates with you today. Maybe you're somebody that's been running from God for a long time, or maybe you are like this older brother who's been subtly running from God for a long time. Listen to the older brother here. Now, this is after, we, we, don't, we don't get to see much about the older brother until the younger brother comes home. But afterwards, we're taking a snapshot of his response to, uh, to the older brother, the younger brother coming home. And so we see uh, really his heart and his lostness. The scriptures say this in Luke 15, 25, 28. Now his older son was in the field, and, and as he came and drew near to the house, he, he heard music and, and, uh, and he saw dancing, and, and he called one of the servants of his father, and he asked, hey man, what's going on here? I've never seen a party like this before. I didn't know dad was capable of throwing such a shindig, all right? And, and, he, and he says, man, you haven't heard? Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The older son, listen, listen to his response. He was angry and he refused to go in. Now, we, we don't get much about him until this point, but, but I want you to notice something about the older son. His lostness looks way different than the younger son's lostness. You know, what we see is that the older son, he hears the music, he smells the food, he sees the dancing, and all he can think about in his heart is what a waste of good resources on such a terrible guy. That's what's going on in his mind and his, and his heart. And, and, uh, and he's just thinking, my, my brother is so undeserving of this. Why would dad, does dad even know who this kid is? And, and where the older brother finds himself at the appearance of grace is the key here. He finds himself full of resentment, bitterness that leads to isolation. Uh, he leads to finding himself in the field alone, unable to enter the party because of his pride. He hears a celebration that there's no party within himself. There's no celebration within. And, 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 and he hears the good news about grace, about this brother that came home, this, this person that was a terrible sinner who blew it big time. And, and he's repelled by it. Now, I know we, we can look at this guy and we can, we can villainize this older brother, but we are far more like him than we ever dare to imagine. I, I call this the difference between Atlanta lostness and Vegas lostness, okay? Let me, let me explain. The older brother, the younger brother. I used to live in Las Vegas for a couple years. Megan and I met there. And, and the thing that I loved about Las Vegas, lost Vegas, exactly, see, is that people were lost and they knew it. They're like, yeah, I don't care anything about Jesus. I, I worked at a restaurant that had 200 employees, and I didn't know one other Christian. Now, so I was, I was talking to a group of folks here in Atlanta when we first moved into town to, to, to get equipped to plant the church. And, and I was telling them about our story about being in, in Las Vegas. And, and uh, they said, oh, man, Las Vegas, they Sin City, they really need churches there. And I don't know if this was the Spirit of God or my flesh, I, who knows, but I just said, you know, yeah, the only place I know that needs churches more is Atlanta. And they like, they're like, what? Whoa. Here's the difference though, right? I mean, in the South, we kind of button it up and we know how to, to kind of go along to get along. 
And we just don't, for the most part, we don't talk as much about our sin. We, we don't, we, 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 we run, we run in our sin without running away, if that makes sense. Kind of, we kind of run and we conceal and we hide. It's the general nature of, of, of typical Southerners that have, have, are accustomed to the church. But in, in Las Vegas, they just kind of let it all hang out and go for it. it. But I think that's kind of the difference in the older brother and the younger brother. And the question is, which one's lost? Both of them are. Both of them are. One of them's just lost and doesn't know it. He's not aware that he's lost. It's evident by this, by this, this one indicator. And the indicator is this. At the appearance of of endless grace and mercy, he is disgusted with his father and with his brother. So, so the question for us is this. Where, where do we lean more, with the older brother or the younger brother? The question for us is this, is when we see a, a situation where someone that, man, really doesn't deserve it, when they meet grace, how do we respond? Are we inside with the father celebrating over this one lost son who's come home? Or are we like, wow, let's, let's see if it sticks. You know what I'm talking about. But God's heart is that we would celebrate grace extravagantly. This is why Easter is such a big deal. Because the resurrection of Jesus makes grace possible. What are we going to do with the grace of God? The, the older brother was lost even though he was at home. He never entered into, at least in the story, the joy of his father. Maybe you struggle more with this than you do running away. Because, you know, even as Christians, we still have those tendencies buried within us. Either we're going to run and sin boldly. Like Martin Luther said, he said, hey, if you're going to sin, like sin boldly. Just go for it, you know. <laughs> Don't mess around with sin. Just go for it if you're going to do it. Or are we going to stay home in sin and hide it? Because in this story... There's no hope for the older brother because he's not willing to acknowledge his lostness. And, and for you, if you struggle with this older brother tendency, kind of an application for you might be this. To ask yourself the question, when is the last time that I just rested in God's grace? I just let God love me. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Is to not look at everything that you've done and, and pull out your list of things of why God should love you. But you just let yourself be loved. And you see that that father is running after you. So let's keep going here. Uh, number three, we all try to make our own way back to the father. We all try to make our own way back. So let's look at the younger son real quick. This is why I said I don't think he hit rock bottom when he, when he was in the pigsty. Because he's still kind of scheming to, to, to get dad to love him again and, and to get the benefits of dad's love. Listen to what he says. He says, but when he came to himself, he was in the pigsty in a foreign land. We don't know where it was, but it was far away. He said, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread? They've got the resources. But I perish here with hunger. He gets this idea, the light bulb moment. Ah, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, and he's staging it out, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's praying the sinner's prayer here. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Note, that's the good news for the, the, the younger son right there. Hey, if he could just treat me as one of his hired servants, I could still kind of live my life. I could still kind of do my thing. I'd have food. I could, I could go out. I could do this thing. 
So what he's saying here is this. The younger son is saying, I know how to win dad's love back. I know how to get back in good graces with him. I know how to do this. I'll come on as one of his servants. Surely he'll see that I can work better than those guys. And, uh, and he can look out his window down at me every day. And he'll know that I'm around, and he might say, man, what a pathetic son, but hey, at least he's home. I know where he's at. And, and that's kind of this narrative. That's the good news for this son at the time. So, so he's worked up this narrative in his mind on how to approach his father, but he's missing one key component. And I, and I think this is the application for us. He's, he's speaking like he, like he knows the father, but he never really knows him. He doesn't know his heart. Because if he knew his heart, he would know that he could just come home without the story. He would know that God would have enough grace for him to receive him back unconditionally. And so he's working it up. He's saying, I know how to get God, how to get dad to love me. I'll just come back home and I'll, I'll serve him. I'll, 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 work, I'll work myself as much as I can. I'll pay my dues. I'll take my licks. And just maybe I'll squeeze myself into eternity in heaven. How many of us live that way? How many of us live that way? Like we're just we're just gonna sneak into heaven. If we just get there, that'll be good enough for us. And and when we when we meet Jesus on the day of judgment, and, and he says, you know, you know, why should I let you into my Father's kingdom? And uh, we'll say, well, you know, you remember that guy I helped out, and you know, how many times I went to church, and you should see my giving. It was pretty legit. And, and we'll say these things, but that's not what he's looking for. He's just looking for a son and a daughter. And wants to come home and have a relationship with God. And all of those other things work themselves out. And so the younger son really hasn't found his way back home yet because he doesn't know the father's heart yet. He's acting like he knows it without really knowing it. This, this, this is not the joy that our father in heaven has for us as his children, church. This isn't it. It's not like maybe I can work my way up and get myself in. Because of the work of Jesus on our behalf, church, I don't want you to miss this. We are worthy to be called full sons and daughters. We're not redheaded stepchildren. We're not orphans. We belong in the family of God because of the work of Jesus. It is our right. It is our birthright because we've been born again to a better story in a better family with a better father than the one we tried and ran away from in the garden. Do not let the devil tempt you to believe that you are illegitimate in God's kingdom. Do not feel like you have to come to him with anything other than a confession of what you believe to be true about him, which is that he sent Jesus for me, and that's enough. That's enough. That is my only hope in life and in death, is that I belong to Jesus Christ. He's my only comfort. That's it for us. That is the, the best news that we can have. Now, as we, as we look at the the, the older son, here's what he says. I'll just reread these verses here. He says, but he answered his father when he's dialoguing with his father. And, 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 uh, and here's how he's trying to run back to dad. He says, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. That's a bold statement to make. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came home who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him, Dad? And he says to himself, I know why Dad's loved me all these years. It's because I've always been around. I've stuck it out. I could have ran, but I stayed. You see this resentment that's boiling up in him. But, but the thing that struck me about the older brother this week 
that has never hit me this way before is really his heart for the Father. You see that at, at this, this, this tough exterior of a man who's, who's well-built and has always stayed around, you see the heart bleed out. He, and he says this, you never, never even gave me a, a little bit of your possession, a little goat, not even the fattened calf, the fattened calf. I didn't, I'm not asking for that. You never even offered, offered me a goat that I could, I could celebrate with my friends and, and laugh it up and enjoy being in the family. You, you never even gave that to me. So you, you see his heart. The older brother has lived his whole life just trying to be loved by his dad and his friends. And he says, Dad, why, why not me? Why him? Dad, why have you never been this proud of me? I, I was uh, mentoring this week, and it's always a it's always a mystery how it's going to go when I show up to meet with my eighth grade boys here at Richards Middle School. Some days I wonder, what in the world am I doing? Other days I'm like, this is the most valuable hour of my week, preaching included. I mean, it's so valuable. Well, this week one of those was one of those, this is the most valuable hour of my week. It's Easter, we're busy, but I, I could not be here. And uh, we were just giving updates because um, we hadn't met for a few weeks, and one of my guys I said, on a scale of, you know, 1 to 10, how's it been going these last three weeks? And he's like, oh, man, terrible, like a 1, if a 1. And I said, what's going on, man? And he said, well, my, 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 none of these guys, like, have a, their families are, are complicated, I'll say that. And um, he said, well, my, you know, my dad, my, you know, my birth father, um, he had a heart attack. And we're all like, oh, no, I can't believe this. He goes, you know, yeah, so he's in, he's in critical condition at the, at the hospital now, and uh, I went to see him a couple days ago, and, and he said, when I saw him, I just started crying, and we're all thinking, of course you did, that's your dad, and, and he said, you know, Ryan, it wasn't even because I was sad that he was going to die, that's not why I was crying, I was crying because I realized, I've realized I never really had a dad, he's never told me he loved me not one time, and, and as I heard this young man talk, I just thought, man, I wonder, I just wonder if the older brother maybe felt that way to some degree. That he misunderstood the father so much that he was blinded to his love. Just wonder that. And that's, that's, I think that's what he's feeling to some degree. And what we see about the older brother and the younger brother is this, is that both boys assume something that's critically not true. That there's something within them that will make their dad love them. And that's not true. And there's two different ways that we can get caught up in this pursuit. We can say, you know, um, this pursuit of kind of workspace righteousness. We can say, I'm too bad that God can't love me. And we could say, you know, Jesus' sacrifice wasn't that big. And we live in our, in our pride because we think our sin is bigger than the cross. Or we, we can look down our nose like the other brother and say, I'm not as bad as him. Surely I don't need forgiveness. Either way, if we don't get to the cross, we don't get to grace. And we'll always find ourselves trying to earn our way back into the family. Lastly, as we land this plane, let's look at the most, one of the most beautiful pictures in all of the scriptures. The running father. Let's, let's read um, from Luke 15, 20 through 24 and then 28 through 32. There's not a more beautiful picture of the heart of God for his children than the picture of this running father. And I want you to notice something. He runs after both boys the same. He doesn't just run after the younger one. He runs after the older one too. Let's look at the older brother first this time. 
But So the, the younger son was angry and he refused to go in, verse 28. But his father came out and entreated him. He stops the party. He stops his enjoyment of the party and he says, I've got to go out and find my other boy. He's not here. Something's missing. I've got to go get him. And, and, and he gets out there and, and he answered his father and he, and he comes up with his excuses. Look, you never gave me that chance. And, and, uh, and listen to how the father responds in verse 32. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours, the fattened calf, the goats, everything. All the money that your brother blew, well, we can't get that back, but, you know, it's all yours. And it was fitting to celebrate, though. Don't miss this. It was fitting to celebrate because your brother... He wasn't, he wasn't just lost and now he's found. He was dead. He was dead to me. He was dead to you. He was dead to God. But now he's alive. And he's alive because of grace. And he finally sees it. And so we're going to throw an extravagant party because this, you're, only, you're only born again one time. And he's alive. We're going to celebrate this. And we see that he was just angry at this point. And there's the story leaves us a little bit unresolved with the older brother. The story didn't really finish, and I don't know why, but that's the way Jesus told it. But he runs out, and he, and he chases him, and, and he says something to his, his older boy there that every person that, that comes to church a lot needs to remember. And it's this. Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. If you catch yourself in these moments where you are repelled by grace, thinking, oh, God can't. You can't forgive them. Look, they haven't done anything to earn it. And it's subtle with us, right? We're not, we're not verbal about that. We just think it and we compare. We're leaning into that older brother mentality. The, the best litmus test is what do we do when we see real grace? How does our heart respond to that? Now, you know, here's the thing. The older brother, as I said earlier, should have went and looked for his younger brother. That was his role in the family. He was a protector. He, he should have done that. That should have been his role. And he doesn't because why? So fixated on himself. The, the beauty of this story is that Jesus is the true elder brother. Jesus is the one that left his father's home in heaven, was sent to earth, sent to the slums, sent to the pigsties to get us as his younger brothers and sisters back and bring us back into the family of God. That's why we celebrate the resurrection, because our true elder brother, Jesus, didn't look at himself when he had the opportunity to. He didn't make a big deal about his kingliness, but he served and he went to the cross. And because of that, you and I have all this opportunity to receive unconditional grace, limitless mercy through the person and the work of Jesus. And that's why this father is so happy. L listen to what he says in, in Luke 15, 20 through 24. While he was still a long way off, remember the, the younger boy's walking back and he's got his head down and he's got this narrative that he's been memorizing all the way back, all those miles. What, here's what the father does. The father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, hey, bring quickly the best robe Put it on him. we got to clothe this boy. He's looking ratty. He's got shabby clothes on. Get the ring. The family. It's got the family crest on it. Put it on him. He needs to remember he's still part of this family. Reinstall him as a son. He's back. And I want, you to, I want you to do something else, he says. You know that calf that we've been fattening up? You know, its whole purpose is to sit in the barn 
and to just eat. And then, you know, one day we said, when the celebration is good enough, we'll slaughter that thing and we'll have the best T-bones known to man. You know that? You know that calf? Well, this is the day because he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And isn't that a picture of Jesus for us? God gave his very best so that we could celebrate his heart, celebrate his grace. And, and, and I want you to notice something different about this story. In this moment when the son comes back and he sees the father, and, and the father who is this dignified man, he's very wealthy, he's very respectable. He does one of the least respectable things he can do. He hikes up his toga and he makes a beeline for his son because every day since the son left, he's been doing his work around his, his own palace, his own kingdom, and he's been looking up at the horizon as he's outside just wondering, maybe my son will come home one day. Maybe he'll come home. And he's waiting for him. He's waiting for him to come back because he can't wait for him to come back. Because he knows when he comes back, he's going to come back a changed man because he realizes what he's got with his father. And when he comes back, the son, he's got that rehearsed speech and it starts out the same. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But notice what he leaves off at the embrace of his father. He doesn't say, treat me as one of your hired servants. Because the embrace of the father, the ring and the robe and the party, he knows he's not a servant. He knows he's royalty. He's got a seat at the king's table. He's not a hired servant. At that moment, I think that's when the younger son is converted. I think that's when he really gets the father's heart, when he sees him run after him. If you're in here today and you've had any other experience with God, I'm here to tell you that you probably haven't met Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lamb who was for sinners slain like me and you so that we can celebrate the goodness of God for all of our lives lavishly. We go over the top because Jesus is so good. His mercy is limitless and His grace knows no end. It is unconditional for you and for I. Both boys thought that they knew how to make the Father love them and yet the Father, in effect, comes to both boys and says this, no matter how far you've run away, you cannot run my love. No matter how much you try to stay, that's not going to earn my love. It's my love that keeps you from running. It's my love that keeps you in the family. We can only be brought back to the Father through the love of Jesus. Only the Father's love can bring lost sons home. And we celebrate that today. So let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that in this parable, Jesus portrays you as a bit undignified. That your love is a, is a bit reckless, it seems. That you stop at nothing to bring us back home. And that is why Easter is such a big deal. Because you sent your best to save us from our worst. And we celebrate that today, God. We celebrate that. And I pray, Lord, for those that are in this room, that if they haven't met the real Jesus, who was sent from the Father's heart, that maybe that moment might be today. No matter how far they've run, or how much they've tried to stay, that they would meet grace and welcome it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.